All right, all right, all right, here we go. How many of you have been here on one of the two Sundays where uh, Liz uh, Tautola has preached before? In the room? Okay, a whole, whole bunch of you. So I'll keep my introduction uh, kind of brief then, because um, you'll get to hear and learn more about Liz if you stick around for the Q&A and lunch that follows the service today. So um, let me just uh, kind of set it up this way. Um, we, we had gotten into a search process. Um, Liz had already spoken here twice and was not at that time uh, going to be a candidate. Uh, we just, um, sh- she and Sam love the church here, and and I know that she's a gifted preacher and uh, really gifted in so many ministry ways, so it was just fun to have her here. In fact, we were out of town uh, on a vacation when she spoke the second time. So we had some great candidates um, on this list, but when we came back from Hawaii, I think one of the most incredible like relief and joy was to find out that someone who already knew our church uh, had had been drawn to our church um, and wasn't just kind of coming to try to find a job. Not that there's anything necessarily wrong with that, but, um, but, but someone like Liz, who we were already big fans of, um, suddenly felt a prompting to put her name in for the search. So would you guys give a warm, warm welcome to Liz Tautolo as she brings the word this morning. Thanks, Doug. Oh, we're, we, we high-fived in the first service, and he went for the fist bump, then we did the awkward fist bump. Yeah, I'm not sure what's going on there, but I don't know if it was the Holy Spirit. I got a call from Andy Carey, and he said you should apply. So uh, <laughs> so maybe, maybe Andy is the Holy Spirit in, 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 in that situation, no. But uh, it, it is such a, a joy to be here with all of you, and I I did have a moment uh, in the first service, and I'd love to share it again, um, because I do think God is on the move in this place, but shortly after I had given my life to the Lord, I was like, okay, I need to throw out all of my trash music and get some Christian music, and so I went to a mall, and there was a Christian CD store, and so I went and shopped, and I just asked the guy who was working, hey, what uh, CD should I buy, and he handed me this uh, CD uh, by Cutlass that had all who are thirsty on it, and and I replayed that song in my truck over and over again, and continued to meet Jesus over and over again. And so, Brandon and his team did not know that story, obviously. And so, first service, that song comes on, and I am just drenched in tears. Like, how am I going to go up there and preach and share at all? Um, but that was a very powerful moment, even hearing it again. And so, it really is just such a joy to be here, and Sam and I have had several conversations just being so humbled that we are the candidate and uh, for this opportunity, and one thing that has really stuck out to me the most is it's been an easy yes when I already have a deep affection for the people, And, and, and I really do already have a deep affection for hope and for all of you. And regardless of the job, this was still going to be home for us. And so um, it it just feels like uh, God is doing something. So it is an honor to stand up here today with all of you. And I'm coming in hot. I need need another little, little towel. This is why I don't wear makeup when I preach, because it would be another story. So... Uh, 
Today, we are going to be continuing in the Luke for Everyone series, and we are going to be talking about Luke chapter 2, verses 40 through 52, which is traditionally titled The Boy in the Temple. This is Jesus as a teenager, uh, which is a really fun story. Uh, But for today, I'm going to rename the section, and we're going to call it In My Father's House. In My Father's House. However, I I, want to set up the time and and say we shouldn't ignore the boy in the temple title because when you see repetition in scripture, it's something to pay attention to. And this is actually the fourth story in just the first two chapters of Luke that we see the temple mentioned. So there's something important happening in Luke around the temple that as we journey through this book the next several months that we should pay attention to. And last week, Doug shared about Zechariah receiving a word in the temple that him and Elizabeth were going to be pregnant with John the Baptist. We heard about Mary and Joseph bringing Jesus at eight days old to the temple. And then we heard about Simeon and Anna and his prophecy in the temple. So there's lots of temple action happening. And and Luke also writes Acts, and you can see more uh, temple uh, action happening in Acts. And so something for us just to pay attention to over the next couple of months. Let me pray for us, and then we'll jump in. God, what a privilege it is to get to gather in your house today. I pray, Jesus, that we would get to experience your wonder through this text, that we would get to know your heart for us and be prompted and challenged to perhaps not just learn something new to tuck into our mind, but to have something land in our hearts today that would change us and renew us. And so it's your mighty name, Jesus, we pray. Amen. And so, we'll be in Luke 2. I mentioned he was a teenager. The other interesting to note about this section is this is also Jesus' first words. Okay, so his first, like, red-letter words. We don't have anything, any quotes from Jesus before he was 12 years old. Okay? Luke is the only gospel also that actually writes about Jesus as a teenager. None of the other gospel accounts mention this story. So it's pretty unique just to Luke. And what I love about hearing about Jesus' first words is, you know, I don't know about you guys, but when your kids were maybe learning how to talk, you know, you're standing in front of them and you're like, mama, right? <laughs> don't say dad, say mama, right? You're, or ball, right? And you're, those first words just felt like these such special moments, okay? And, and I do want to brag for a second about what my first words were. Um, and, 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 and my mom is here so she can attest to this, okay, um, is apparently my first word was hallelujah. <laughs> thank you, thank you, thank you. I'm very beyond my years, okay? And so uh, I'm pretty sure it went something like hallelujah, right? And, and my mom just goes, yep, she said hallelujah. Let's put a bow on it and call it a day. And, uh, and so my grandma does say hallelujah quite a bit, so maybe there was some imitation happening there. Uh, but, but I'm going to take that one to my grave as a, as a claim that my first word was four syllables in hallelujah, okay? 
Um, And so as we read this text together, uh, let's pay attention to what Jesus' first words were because they might be kind of important. All right, so we're going to read all 12 verses of this section, and then we'll, we'll work through the story together. And if you don't have your Bible, I have the text on the screen. I read from the NIV version. And we're going to start in verse 40 of Luke chapter 2 and read all the way through 52. It says, And the child grew and became strong. He was filled with wisdom, and the grace of God was on him. Every year, Jesus' parents went to Jerusalem for the festival of the Passover. When he was 12 years old, they went up to the festival according to the custom. After the festival was over, while his parents were returning home, the boy Jesus stayed behind in Jerusalem, but they were unaware of it. Thinking he was in their company, they traveled on for a day. Then they began looking for him among their relatives and friends. When they did not find him... They went back to Jerusalem to look for him. After three days, they found him in the temple courts, sitting among the teachers, listening to them and asking them questions. Everyone who heard him was amazed at his understanding and his answers. When his parents saw him, they were astonished. His mother said to him, son, why have you treated us like this? Your father and I have been anxiously searching for you. Here's Jesus' words. Why were you searching for me, he asked. Didn't you know I had to be in my father's house? But they did not understand what he was saying to them. Then they went down to Nazareth with them, and he was obedient to them. But his mother treasured all these things in her heart, and Jesus grew in wisdom, in stature, and in favor with God and with man. So before we jump in, there's something interesting happening here. There's what I like to call sandwiching, okay? If you look at the first verse and if you look at the last verse, they're actually really similar verses, and I have them up on the screen for us to take a look at together. Verse 40 says, And the child grew and became strong. He was filled with wisdom, and the grace of God was on him. And then verse 52 says, And Jesus grew in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and with man. What's interesting about these two verses is these are the only verses we get from Luke that uh, describe periods of Jesus' life. So verse 40 explains what Jesus was like as a baby through 12 till this story. And then verse 52 explains what Jesus was like during uh, his teenage years, 20s, until we see the bulk of his life in ministry throughout the rest of the gospel accounts. What I love about this is Jesus being fully God and fully man He had to grow. He had to mature. There was a journey for even Jesus. He could have shown up already fully mature in all these ways, ready to rock. But instead, God designed for Jesus to go through a journey in these three ways. And I believe if Jesus had to go through a journey of maturity in these ways, then we probably should consider what that would look like for our own lives as well. And so I've broken them down into three areas, maybe for us to consider for ourselves, of areas of growth that we might need to look at. The first is to grow in stature, to grow in wisdom, and to grow in grace. Now we're going to revisit these towards the end of this time together, but am I popping again? Okay. You know, women preachers with the hair in the mic. All right. 
Um, and so we're going to revisit these three together again towards the end of this. But I wanted to set up the time so you guys have this stored in your memory. So let's get to the story. Jesus and his parents head to Jerusalem. They're going for the festival of the Passover. Now, there's three festivals that in Jewish tradition were really big holidays. There's this, the festival of the Passover. There's the festival of the booths. And then there was Pentecost. Now, what was unique of the festival of the Passover is this was their celebration of their uh, freedom from slavery in Egypt. And they would travel, hundreds of thousands of them, to Jerusalem. There was estimated about 200,000 people that would travel in for this holiday. And they would also bring alongside of them for this particular holiday, livestock. Because worthy is a lamb that was slain, right? So they had to bring in livestock with them for this festival. So there was so much going on. It was a very crowded city. And in 2015, I had the opportunity to actually go spend some time in Israel. And uh, we didn't know when we booked our tickets, we were actually going through the Festival of the Booths. And we were there kind of at the climax of that um, particular festival. And that, that day I was go going to the Temple Mount with my friends, which is just above the Wailing Wall. So there's this bridge. And I snapped a picture that I wanted to share with you guys of what the crowd looked like. So this is the Festival of the Booths, and this is estimated, we like looked at the news that night because we were like, there were so many people there. How many people were there? And they estimated about 150,000 people would have been there for that particular day in time. So if you can imagine Mary and Joseph with Jesus in a crowd like this, plus another 100,000 livestock. There wasn't livestock in this picture. <laughs> it was a pretty crowded scene. There was a lot of people coming in to make this pilgrimage. And this was a particularly important year for Jesus because he would have been 12. And when you turned 13 in Jewish tradition, you were a full member of the synagogue. Has anyone heard of a bar mitzvah before? Right. And so Jesus was likely tagging along pretty closely to Joseph to learn the rituals to make sure the next year he was going to get it right. And so they're there, they're celebrating, the festival ends, and they leave, and Jesus gets left behind. Now, when I first read this, I was like, how do you leave your son behind? <laughs> but then I, you know, some of you know, I've, I've been involved in a ministry called Young Lives, where we take care uh, in mentoring and sharing our faith of, with teen parents and their kids, and sometimes I get stuck on kid duty in like a grocery store or Walmart, and they leave to the next aisle in that pure panic of that moment of not knowing where they are. I don't know if you've ever lost your kid for a hot second and you just have this like drop in your stomach. Like I can't imagine walking a full day and not knowing that your kid's not with you and then you get there and you realize, oh my gosh, we just walked a whole day and he's still back there. But what's interesting to note about this story is so, for these festivals, they would travel in very big caravans. So there'd be huge groups of people traveling together. And it's important to know about their culture. They had a very communal and collective culture. So it was kind of like all eyes on all kids, and everyone kind of had responsibility over everyone's kids. So Mary was probably just thinking, oh, somebody's got eyes on Jesus somewhere, right? 
But what happens here is Mary and Joseph recognize they're missing out. Jesus isn't with them. And what I like to call this is a classic marriage miscommunication. <laughs> because what would have happened here is back then, the women and small children would have left the festival first. They traveled much slower, and they would go and they would prepare camp, the food, while the men were still wrapping up all of their rituals that they needed to wrap up. Then the men, they could travel much quicker, and so they would leave, and they would eventually catch up by the night. So Mary takes off with all the women and small children and goes, oh, Joseph's probably got Jesus. And then Joseph takes off with all the men, and he goes, oh, Mary's probably got Jesus. And then they finally sync up, and they realize, oh, no, we left him behind. And so they leave, and they realize they got to go back to Jerusalem to go find Jesus. And what I love about this story is the, the author of this gospel, Luke, he was not an eyewitness. He actually went around and interviewed people. And a part of this is my imagination, him sitting with Mary, and Mary telling him this very story, and leaning in and going, can you believe we lost Jesus? We lost him for three days. Wink, wink. When you think you've lost Jesus for three days, what happens three days later? He's here. So I do love that detail in here, that, that Mary uh, and Joseph, it took them three days to find Jesus. And so they finally find Jesus, and they find him in the temple courts, and he's doing two things. He's one, listening, and he's two, asking questions. Jesus, in his humble humanity, chose the posture of curiosity and to learn and to listen. I do want to make a case that our world today is desperate for people who listen to one another and ask one another questions, just like Jesus did. But then the very next verse, something happens, and I'd like to read it for you. This is verse 47. It says, everyone who heard him was amazed at his understanding and his answers. So in this verse, it switches from Jesus as this humble in, his humble, in his humble humanity, to Jesus in his great divinity. Everyone was amazed. And this word amazed means to be thrown into wonderment. Thrown into wonderment. I have to ask, when's the last time you were thrown into wonderment by Jesus? I have to confess that sometimes for me, I, when I think about the moments that I've been thrown into wonderment, it's those like bigger moments. And then I'm sitting in church and all who are thirsty comes on and God meets me in complete wonderment. And it's those small daily invitations for intimacy that allow us to be thrown into the wonderment by God. 
It's the series that we just had on hearing God and entering into listening prayer or imagining Jesus among us and with us and what he would say to us. It's, it's inviting the Holy Spirit into our scripture reading or, if you're like me, listening. I love the Dwell app, by the way. Plug. It's these moments that we get to experience the living God among us and in our life. And sometimes, if I'm being real, it can't just happen with me individually. I have to have community and friends in it with me. This last week, I got to spend time with Rena, who's here in the room today. And for about an hour, we went back and forth, and we just shared testimony after testimony after testimony of ways we've seen God show up in our lives and our friends' lives. And it was so good. We were going back and forth, like, you need to write that down. No, you need to write that down. Like, we need to document these stories. And I was thrown into wonderment in that moment. And sometimes it's community and thanksgiving and being with one another that allows us to experience the wonder and amazing Jesus. So they're there in the temple, and everyone is amazed by Jesus. But now we hear Mary. Mary comes into the scene, and she's not so amazed (laughs) by Jesus. And it says in verse 48... When his parents saw him, they were astonished. His mother said to them, son, why have you treated like us like this? Your father and I have been anxiously searching for you. So this word astonished means to strike out and expel with a blow. Like if my picture that comes to mind is when I was a kid, my mom and aunt and grand- grandma, when, when we would like, maybe do something risky outside, like almost get injured, but then we didn't, like, and they were kind of annoyed at us for trying whatever it was that we were doing. They would take two fingers and they would just, like, knock us on the head. Like, it wasn't like they were soft. It was just like this, like, you know, like this just, like, annoyance but relief. That's probably what Mary is experiencing here, this, this relief of this fear that she had lost Jesus, but also just joy and annoyance at the same time. And then she says to him something that I thought was interesting. She doesn't say, oh, thank you, I found you, thank goodness, we've been looking for you. Instead, she says, son, why have you treated us like this? At first, I was like, why did she respond that way? And then I did some internal work. And I realized that in my own life, sometimes when I lose sight of Jesus, I respond the same way. God, why did you do this to me? Why am I having to go through this? Why, God? Why does it have to be so hard? I'm just like Mary. Sometimes when I lose sight of Jesus, I respond the same exact way. Instead of this adoration and thankfulness. And I was really convicted by that as I was preparing this message. Then we see 
Jesus' first words. Jesus says, why were you searching for me? Such a teenager. <laughs> Mom, I'm fine. Look, I'm in one piece. But then he says, didn't you know I had to be in my father's house? He had to be in his father's house. Rendered in Greek, this is, I had to be about my father's business. I had to. Jesus had this internal obligation and responsibility going on. He's like, yes, I know you're my mom and my dad, but this is my father's house. This is where I have to be. And I don't know if any of you guys are Marvel fans. We had quite a few in the first service because a bunch of teenagers were in here. But anybody a Marvel fan? Okay, I see you. Yep. I'm not, but my husband is. And so because of that, I've had to watch quite a few Marvel films. And uh, one of the Marvel series, which the other day I thought it was DC, so I was wrong. It's Marvel. Is Spider-Man. And uh, in the Spider-Man franchise, there's a quote that's repeated in almost all of the movies, or maybe every single one, and I have it on the screen for you guys to look at. It says this, with great power comes great responsibility. I think this is what Jesus was saying to his parents in this moment. I have this great power, and because I have this great power, I have this great responsibility to be in my father's house and to be about his business. And for those of you in the room today who have said yes to Jesus, the Holy Spirit is alive and within you, and you have a great power, therefore you also have a great responsibility. And I'd like to suggest three ways that I think we have a responsibility to be about our father's business and to be in the father's house together based off of those growth points that we talked about at the beginning. The first is a great responsibility to grow in stature. If you're looking for or searching for Jesus, you can find them here in the Father's house. Be here in church amongst community. What's your physical presence and physical commitment to the church and to be in the Father's house going to look like this year? Maybe that's going on that one mission, missions trip, or getting into a small group, or trusting God a little bit more with your finances this year. Maybe there's an extra commitment to meet regularly with one another in this church that you say yes to this year. But what is it going to be and what is your commitment going to be to grow in stature and be physically present in the Father's house this year? The second is to grow in wisdom. To grow in wisdom. The Father's house is full of wonder. Are you curious about the story of God, even like Jesus himself was? How will you commit to growing in and sharing the story of God this 2023? You see, this isn't just about this book and knowing this book. This is also 
the sharing of our stories, the God who's the author of our lives, and getting used to and getting regular rhythm of sharing life with one another and sharing the stories that God is writing for us? Are we going to challenge ourselves to learn and to grow and to mature in wisdom? Jesus even did. The third is to grow in grace. To grow in grace. We see something interesting in verse 51. Mary and Joseph say, okay, come on, now it's time to go back to Nazareth. And Jesus says, okay, and was obedient. I think that God is inviting us to consider how we could be spiritually obedient, to listen to the things that he's saying and the nudges that he's putting on our heart and actually attempt to not just know it in our head, but to walk it out in our lives. And here's the thing. The reason why it says grow in grace is because we're going to mess this one up. I take a lot of uh, comfort in knowing that God just wants willing and available people. <laughs> we're going to mess this one up. We might miss it. But the purpose of this is to attempt to be spiritually obedient to the things God's asking us for. And through that, we will grow in deeper intimacy with him. We will get the opportunity to mess up, to grow in grace, and to grow in our relationship with God. And so those are the three things that I think we hold as a great responsibility about being present in our Father's house this year. And as I invite the worship team back up to close, I want to finish with uh, the last verse again. The last verse says, And Jesus grew in wisdom, in stature, and in favor with God. And then it throws a little and. It says, and man. And man. I think there's a social component to as we grow in these three areas, we will begin to see our neighbors and our families impacted for and by Jesus, in and through us. And then there will be an invitation for them to come and to walk into these doors and to be present here and to realize, oh, I had to be in my father's house all along. And we have this beautiful opportunity to grow in these ways so that the walls outside of hope and the people in these communities and the people in our lives that we love so much would get an opportunity to see and know the wonder of God in their lives and be thrown into that amazement. And so let me pray for us and then we'll finish with some worship. God, I'm so amazed by you, and I'm amazed by the way that you yourself even had a journey of growth. And I pray, Jesus, that we would take it seriously, that we would be able to enter into these areas of growth in our own life and have real conversations with you about what it means, not for performance, but for intimacy with you, for getting to know you, getting to know your business and your house a little bit more. I pray, Jesus, that as we get to sit here in your house together today, that we would feel your great power that would lead us to great responsibility. And it's your mighty and powerful name, Jesus, we pray. Amen. Thank you.